Who doesn't like presents? I mean, I do. Sitting here thinking about how I wanted a cold intro this. Not as good as The Office, sorry. I was thinking about a couple of presents that I've received. My most recent birthday, I got a really cool tie. A couple bow ties with lapel pins to match. There was one time that I got a book. And the book was called, I think, The Unofficial Biography of Texas. Something like that. It was phenomenally written. And the present was random. And there was another time when I was given, actually, the money to start sounding board. Now, these gifts say a couple things. Firstly, someone's willing to spend money on you. And the nature of the gifts shows you that, or indicates that they know you. I like to wear ties to work. And I like to look good. I'm vain. Just a smidge. But I also like to read. The book on Texas history indicated that this person knew what my interests were, the things that bring me joy in and of themselves. History, history of home, understanding, nuance. And then the money for sounding board indicates that this person recognizes my strengths, not just hobbies, but legitimate strengths, I hope, and wants to facilitate the opportunity to engage in those strengths, to grow in those strengths. Boil it all down, presence of these sort indicate that you are known, you are accepted, you are valued, and someone desires for you to flourish. All that's true about gifts. And that is not the direction that I'm going with spiritual gifts. <laughs> The question is often about the gifts themselves, but I would wager is better understood as being about spiritual people. There are two sections, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, both of which deal with the relationship to God and our relationship to each other. These are spiritual gifts passages. 1 Corinthians 12 is more explicit. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, now the ESV includes a footnote for an alternative rendering of the Greek. And it's an alternative which I argue is actually more accurate. The Greek only says, now concerning the spiritual. Spiritual spiritual what? Well, the adjective spiritual is plural and stands alone without a noun to actually modify. And I use the Latin, because I know it, to double-check since the languages function pretty similarly. And this adjective spiritual is what's called a substantive adjective. It's an adjective which assumes the noun it modifies because the grammar and context of the moment just make that noun apparent. It goes without saying. Now, concerning the spiritual, there is also an article in the Greek. Well, the spiritual what? Spiritual people, of course, as the paragraph proceeds to make clear. The question is, who has contact with God? How are his blessings made manifest in those whom he favors? This would be indicated by the nature of the letter to the Corinthian church itself. That is the issue that they're dealing with. Who's connected to God? Who has his favor? We know how pagans indicate that they've been touched by the divine. How do we recognize it in Christians? Paul's point is you can't use the same criteria. That anyone who professes 
that Jesus is Lord, which is a mark of salvation in Romans 10, this can only be done so if that person is actually guided by the Spirit of God. So the question of whom God favors is actually pretty easy to settle. The question of who is spiritual is really easy to answer. All of God's particular blessings or favors, as the Greek word charisma indicates, are in a way secondary and are bestowed not for the elevation of any single individual, but to serve the common good of edifying the church. Used at the proper time, in the proper measure, and in reasonable service, rendered to God, who bestowed them for his purposes in the first place. That was an allusion to Romans 12, verse 1. This is why the corresponding passage in Romans admonishes Christians who, dedicated to good service of God by how they live their lives in context, rather than by the commission of some particular act, uh, should not think more highly of themselves than they ought, but rather should think about themselves with sober judgment. Recognize that there is no pedestal on which to stand, aloft and aloof separate from the rest of humanity. This is what pagans have been looking for. This is how people of particular spirituality have always been indicated. Fun fact, this is how the Puritans, or at least Nathaniel Hawthorne's Puritans, have treated Arthur Dimsdale as some kind of spiritually significant other, particularly blessed by God. He is a spiritual person. We are not. That is false. Recognize that there is no particular pedestal on which to stand aloft and aloof separate from the rest of humanity. I'm better than you because. I'm more spiritual than you because. I'm more godly than you because. We all know that Southerners are judgmental. No. Those in touch with the Spirit of God are those who say, Jesus is Lord. That's it. And as Lord... Jesus, God, will bestow the grace of his, quote, gifts for the mutual enrichment of those in the community of his church. What it all boils down to, actually, then, is love. We each have a skill set, natural intention, uh, inclinations, bents, interests, skills. These all need to mature as they work towards the service of others. And the foundation of that maturity is love which is how and why we use our gifts, again, in quotes, in the first place. This love, as described in 1 Corinthians 13 and exhibited in Romans 12, is the true manifestation of the Spirit of God, that one has been touched by his favor, that one is actually spiritual. Okay, great, but what are my gifts? I don't know. Know yourself. Know your function in the community around you, whatever that community is. Probably multiple. No, there are multiple ones of them. Your second period class, your soccer team, your team at work, your homeschool community, your family, your senior citizens bridge club. Know yourself and your function within that community. And how you naturally or instinctively work for the good of others and grow in that. Apparently, I am gifted with mercy, which may be why I'm reluctant to issue consequences to students, either for behavior or academics. On its own, sorry, handwriting. 
on its own, this tendency towards mercy is aimless, misguided, and possibly, or rather probably, detrimental to both me and the students. But marked by the Spirit of God and understanding what mercy actually is, which is forbearance for the sake of allowing growth. But marked by the Spirit of God, my inclinations towards mercy may prove a great benefit as a legitimately and sober act of love for another person. An act of love which sharpens another person's iron and strengthens that steel for the love and good works which are that person's to perform. I also have a few others, other gifts, and I'm not going to need to discuss them now, but I think you get the point. Know yourself and your place. As life moves forward and circumstances change, your place may change. The specific tests, tasks which you are to do to function properly within the body of Christ may change. This is where I went to Paul's analogy. Sorry, my notes are a little stream of consciousness. To use Paul's analogy of a body, or to elaborate on it, a hand can both grab, hit, and greet. That's three things, so not both. So in other words, the same body part can have multiple functions. It can do them at different times. Sometimes it's better at one than the other. But a hand can never see. And actually, as I was writing, this is where the problem of metaphors uh, comes into play. They tend to overstay their welcome and become more concrete than the nature of metaphor really allows for. And this is the trap that I think that the modern, at least the American evangelical church has fallen into. We live in the metaphor. So people want to ask, am I an eye, a femur, a blood cell, a middle finger? kind of tend to be more that one. Back the car up. <laughs> Sorry, guys, for the awkward pauses. This was great when I was writing it out. So I was on a rant there. You know, am I a femur, a blood cell, a middle finger? Back the car up. Pump your brakes. And don't lose sight of God's point in the analogy in the first place. Identifying spiritual people is not a matter of identifying particular qualities. Identifying people who are more spiritual or less spiritual is not about identifying particular qualities, strengths, abilities, or roles. Rather, the spiritual person is the one who says Jesus is Lord. That person is in the church. And that person is valuable within the church. And the gifts, rather the favors that God has blessed someone with are for the purpose of functioning within that community, maturing as a person in Christ and working for the maturity of the entire church, or at least the church around them, the people in their lives. Read Romans 12, 12 through 21 as part of the same extended thought with the preceding verses, and start there. These are the marks of the spiritual.